Um, and the reason being is we heard probably the best message I've ever heard on this text. And so um, you, if you were here, you'll remember that. It's, she's dead, she's dead, she's dead. I'm not even going to try to do that. What we're going to do tonight is uh, just kind of walk through the text. Um, it's an encouraging text, encouraging to me. I, I, I trust it will be encouraging to you also. Uh, but a man's got to know his limitations. And so after you hear a sermon like we heard a few years back, we're just going to walk through it together tonight. The story of the Bible is a story of uh, reconciliation. Um, the whole story, it's a story that humanity is lost, humanity is hurt, humanity is suffering, humanity is separated from God. That's the problem. The problem that every single person that is ever born, we have that problem. And the story of the Bible is a story of redemption, a story of reconciliation. It's a story of finding the way, finding the plan so that we can come back into the presence of God. And I'm reminded all throughout the Bible that God cares about his people. Tonight, as we sit here, God cares about you. It's easy to get to the point that we, we get jaded by life and we see all the, the struggles and the difficulties and all the stuff going on. And we, we, maybe we begin to think, well, you know, God really doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about my life. If God cared about my life, why am I going through? And we can list whatever it is that we're all going through. Why would this be happening? And, and it's easy to, to become that way, but I just want to remind you tonight that, that God cares about you. He cares about your life. He cares about your future, and he's got a plan. I believe that's what we see in this, in this text. We're going to just look through it. If you look at uh, beginning in verse 21, chapter 5, verse 21, it says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Jesus comes over the Sea of, of Galilee. He comes over the Sea of Galilee. He comes to the region of Capernaum. And the Bible says there is a large crowd that has gathered. And they are there and they are welcoming Jesus. Now I want to point this out because it's, it's a big contrast if you look back to verse 17. Look back in verse 17 and you find something totally different. You see, in the passage before this, you'll remember Jesus has driven out demons from this man. This man has demons, and not just demons, the, the legion, many. There's many of us. And if you remember, the demons made a plea, made a plea that the Lord would not cast them out of the region, uh, but would let them remain. And so the Lord cast them into the pigs. You remember? So the demons are cast into the pigs, and what do the pigs do? They ran on over the cliff, right? They ran over the cliff, and there's a large number of pigs. And so the people begin to come from all over this region. They come over, and they see what Jesus had done. The problem is they weren't really excited that this demon-possessed man was freed. They were upset because all the pigs had died. All of a sudden, Jesus had messed up with their finances and their security, and all the pigs were gone. And so verse 17, if you look at it in your Bible, it says that the people pleaded with Jesus, you must leave, you must go, you must get out of here. And then we read in verse 21, the people welcome Jesus. People are fickle, aren't they? I mean, have you noticed that? Uh, we don't, we just one day to the next, people change, they change, they change. You see it all through the Bible. You see it at the end of the life of Christ. Jesus comes in on Passover. What do the people do? They celebrate and they dance and they say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's a good time. And a few days later, they yell, 
crucify him. People change. The disciples, they're up in that, that room and they say, Lord, we never forsake you. Lord, we're committed to you. We're not going anywhere. And just a little while later, they all flee. They all run. Peter says, I'll never deny you. He denies three times. People are fickle. You see, in the Old Testament, you see that people are on a mountaintop and they are committed to the things of God. But right after that, they begin to fall. They begin to worship these idols and these false gods. And so you see time and time again where you want the things of God when it's easy. You want the things of God when it's convenient. You want the things of God when it fits your schedule. But when it starts getting too personal, all of a sudden we put the wall up and we say, that's enough. That's enough. Go on. That's enough. Get out of here. And whether we realize it or not, many, maybe even many of us, we feel the same way. We're, we're all good with God on Sunday. Praise the Lord for the God on Sunday. God on Sunday night. God on Wednesday. But what about when we go to work tomorrow? Thank God for Columbus Day. Maybe we go to work on Tuesday. What about Tuesday? What about when we go to school on Tuesday? Do we still want the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to have reign in our life? As children of God, we cannot pick and choose. We're to be surrendered to him at all times. Look at verse 22. It says, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. The synagogue was the local center of worship, and Jairus was a, a lay person, but he was elected as one of the rulers. His job was to supervise the service, to care for the scrolls, to distribute the alms, to make sure that somebody was coming through to teach and to, to lead, to take care of the, the building. And, and as synagogue leader, he would have a close connection to the religious of the day, which were who? Pharisees, right? Remember last week we looked at the Pharisees, and we know that the religious leaders did not get along well with Jesus. And so he was one of these men. He was in this group. He was in this religious group of people. And so you can imagine that he was constantly hearing bad news and bad news and bad news about Jesus. But it says Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, what did he do? He fell at his feet. Jairus comes to Jesus. Now, why did he come to Jesus? He came to Jesus because in his heart there was a faith that knew that Jesus had the power. He believed that. And maybe he was going through life and he was playing the games. Maybe he was going through life and he looked like the other religious leaders. But when he reached a time of desperation in his life, he knew there's one place I can go. There's one person that maybe can help. And the Bible says he goes to Jesus and he falls down on his knees. Do you know what it tells us? He does not care what he looks like. He doesn't care about his position any longer. He doesn't care about his job. He doesn't care about his popularity. He doesn't care about his success. He doesn't care about his prestige. He doesn't care what people think about him. There is one thing that he cares about, and the only thing that he cares about is his little girl. 
And so when it comes to his little girl, everything else goes out the window and he comes straight to Jesus as fast as he can and he kneels down in front of him. And the text continues, verse 23. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And we see the problem. The problem is his daughter is dying. We we don't know the details. We don't know what's going on in her life. We don't know what's going on in her little body. But we know it has come to the point of death. It's come to the point that there's nothing else she can do. This daddy has already done everything he knows of to do. He's already gone to all, to all the doctors. He's already tried all the remedies. He has done everything his mind can think of. And he looks at his little girl, and she's at the point of death. And he hears that Jesus has come back into town. And see, oh, he goes as quickly as he can. He gets through the crowd. He pushes through the people. He takes action. And when he finds Jesus, he falls on his knees. And the Bible says he begins to plead earnestly with Jesus. He is begging Jesus. He's pleading. He doesn't just come with a request. He doesn't just come and nonchalantly say, hey, Jesus, I've got a sick daughter. If you've got time, could you come on by? That's not what he does. The Bible says he begins to plead. He begins to beg. You picture a prestigious man down on both knees and he is crying out and he's pleading to the best of his abilities that Jesus will come to his home, lay hands on his little girl that she might be healed. We see a man that has faith. He believes that if Jesus comes, something's going to happen. He believes there's power in Jesus. He's heard about it. He's heard the rumors. He's heard about the things that have happened. And he is begging that Jesus will come to his home. It makes me just question, why don't we do more of that? Why don't I do more of that? We come in week after week, and I'm right there with you. We come in week after week, and we have problems. We have issues. We have concerns. We have things that just tear us up inside, but many times we just pretend like everything's okay. Pretend like everything's fine. Well, we've got these altars, and and I I know you can can pray anywhere you want to, and I, I praise God for that, But we've got these altars that are set aside in the house of God to be a a place that we come and we call out to Him and we plead with Him and we pray and we seek Him. But many times they're empty. They're not empty because we don't have problems. They're not empty because we don't have concerns and we don't have requests. And it's not just the altars, maybe our prayer life in general. Why is it that we don't come to the Lord and just bring our problems and our requests before Him? You look in the Bible and and you find men and women who prayed great prayers. Uh, I was thinking about Nehemiah this week. It says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. 
And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night. And it goes on. You get the picture of a man that is praying and he's fasting and he's seeking the heart of God and he's not stopping. He's praying in the daytime. He's praying in the nighttime. He's praying in the daytime. He's praying in the nighttime. He's not quitting because this is important. Think of Abraham when he prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah. And he just kept praying, he kept praying. God, if you find 50 righteous men, if you find 40, if you find 30, if you find 20. And he kept on persisting because it was important to him. I think about the persistent widow. I think about the persistence that we just keep on going and going and going when we meet this time of desperation. We're to find ourselves at the foot of Jesus. But many times we don't go. And I wonder if it's pride. I wonder if it's doubt. I wonder if it's unbelief. I wonder if it's a lack of faith. I wonder what keeps us from running to the Lord. Look at verse 24. It says, so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. In the Greek, it means that Jesus went off with him promptly. So you get the picture. Here's Jesus. There's a large crowd of people. And all of a sudden, this man comes up. He hits his knees. He's pleading. And what does Jesus do? The Bible says immediately he gets up and he follows the man on the way to his home. We see the love and the compassion of Jesus. You know what Jesus didn't say? Jesus did not say, it's not a good time. He didn't say that. He didn't say, why don't you come back later when I'm not so busy? He didn't say that. He didn't say, I've got all this crowd here. Why am I going to leave the crowd to go for you and your one little problem? That's not what he said. Jesus heard the heart of this man. He heard the, the plea of this man. And he had compassion and he wanted to go with him. And so immediately he left and he went and he began to follow this man to his home. Reminds me of the, the story of the lost sheep. <clears throat> Remember, a man had a hundred sheep and one is lost. What does he do? He leaves the sheep behind. He goes, finds that one lost sheep. And when he brings it back, he rejoices. He rejoices over it. Verse 25 is interesting. <clears throat> it says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, we have this, this story of Jairus, and finally he's got to Jesus. Finally, he's taking Jesus to his home. It is a time-sensitive matter. He needs to get Jesus to his little girl as quickly as possible. Anybody here just a fast walker? I've always been a fast walker. And so in one of these times, Ronnie, you know, you're trying to get through the crowd. You're trying to get Jesus. And so you're walking as fast as you can. Come on, Jesus. Walk faster. Let's go. And when you're married to someone that's like five foot tall, it's, it's a constant struggle. <laughs> but he's saying, come on, Jesus, we got to go. We got to go. And he's walking. He's pushing the people out of the way. We've got to get to my house. Get out of the way. In verse 25, there's this woman, and all of a sudden, she's got a problem too. The woman comes up, and she's got this issue of bleeding. She's got this serious problem. Now, it's a serious problem because it's been going on a long time, 
And the problem probably meant that she was unclean. It probably meant that she was like a leper. It probably meant that she was off to the side of the community. People would not touch her. People would not invite her to their home. And she had this constant, constant struggle. And she had this struggle and it lasted how long? 12 years. 12 years she had this issue of blood. 12 years she had this problem. But you know what she didn't do? This is important. She didn't get after year three and say, this is just the way it's going to be. She didn't do that. She didn't go six years and say, this is my life now. She didn't go 10 years and say, this is the end of my story. She kept on looking. She kept on pressing. And when Jesus came into town, once again, she said this time, if I could only get to Jesus, my life would be changed. You see, it could be that there's something in your life and you've had this, this issue, you've had this difficulty for a long time. Maybe you've got an alcoholic son and he's had this issue for so long and you've just grown to the point that you say, this is just the life I've got. Don't give up like that. Don't quit. Take that to the Lord. Maybe you've got a marriage, and you look at your marriage, and you say, man, my marriage is just not good. But my marriage has not been good for five years. It hadn't been good for 10 years. It hadn't been good for 20 years. And so you've just got to the point that you just accepted that your marriage is not going to be good. That's not what we see here. We see a woman who's had an issue for 12 years, and so she takes it to Jesus. Maybe it's an addiction to a sin, and maybe you've tried and you just can't seem to beat it, so you just have come resolved to the fact that this is your life. No, it's not. The Lord can grant you freedom from that if you bring it to him. Healing, all these things, it's not too late. The woman never gave up. She didn't quit. She didn't give in. In verse 26, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. <laughs> you know, doctors can drive you nuts, right? They can drive you nuts. And here's a, here's a lady, and she's done all that she can. She's spent all her money. She's going to all the experts. Nobody knows a thing, and she's not any better off than she was. Boy, if she could have got to Jesus before all that, her life would have been a lot better. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. I, I love the picture. I, I love the crowd again. The crowd, and they're, they're walking through, and, and she sees them coming down the road. And so she pushes her way through the people. And as Jesus walks by, she reaches out her hand. She reaches out her arm, and she's thinking, if I can just touch his clothing, if I can just get a touch, I know I'll be healed. And so as he walks by, she reaches out and her fingertips graze the cloth. Her fingertips just graze. And can you imagine in her heart as she feels that and she thinks, I just touched Jesus. And the Bible says immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. What was the first word? Immediately. Immediately, she touched Jesus, and all of a sudden, she was healed. 
At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crying against you, the disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? They said, there's people everywhere. What do you mean, who touched you? I mean, there's people all around you touching people. What do you mean, who touched you? Notice this. That crowd had people who had lots of problems. Just like this crowd tonight, we've got people, and you are some messed up folks. You have got lots of problems. But in the story we're looking at tonight, there's two people who are different, a man and a woman. And what made these two people different is not that their problems were larger, but it's that their faith was stronger. And in their faith, they pushed through the crowd. They didn't care about anything else, but they wanted to get to Jesus. What about those other folks? What if they would have had faith? What if they would have reached out? What if they would have knelt down and began to plead with Jesus? We'll never know. They didn't do that. They were just following. They were just watching. They were just observing. But you see, there's a man and there's a woman, and they had a strong faith. And that faith was not just on the inside. That faith led to action, and it led for them to seek out Jesus. Verse 32, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Verse 35, and while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus. Remember, here's Jairus. What do you think he's thinking during all this? Getting antsy, don't you think? He's kind of saying, come on, Jesus, we got to go. Don't worry about this woman. She'll be okay. Come back for this woman later. And so he's to the side. He's probably doing this number. He's got that little tick going. He's waiting on Jesus to keep on going. We've got to get to my house, Jesus. But it continues it says, but Jesus looking around, uh, it says, where were we here? While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? This is a real event. It really happened. This is a real father, a real father who loved his daughter. And can you imagine in that moment? He was so close. He just needed a few more minutes to get Jesus to his house. He was so close. And then he hears the words, leave Jesus alone. Your daughter's dead. And you've you got to just believe in that moment his heart sank. Tears probably began to flow from his face. And he thought it was all lost. And it was all over. Verse 36, and overhearing what they had said, Jesus told him, and I love it, it's so simple. Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. Only believe. Don't be afraid. I know it seems bad right now. You just found out your daughter's dead. I know it's tough. Don't be afraid, just believe. Jairus, you had faith and it brought you to me. You know that I've got power. Don't give up now. 
Don't give up just because it looks tough. See, it may be that you had a strong faith and something's happened in your life and now you're getting to the point and you're starting to kind of waver from it and you're starting to pull back from it and you're starting to say, it's just getting a little bit too tough. I'm not sure I can keep on doing this. And the principle maybe to walk away with tonight is is don't give up, just believe. Don't, Don't give up. Don't throw the towel in. Don't be afraid, just believe. And so they go to the house. I can just imagine as they walked, there's a lot of emotions going on. As they're walking, they get to the point they can see the house. They're walking up to the house. Verse 37, he didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. He wanted the true followers. He wanted the ones that had faith to come in. When they came to the home of the synagogue leaders, Jesus saw a commotion with people. They were crying and they were wailing loudly. And he went in, he said to them, while the commotion and wailing, the child is not dead, but is asleep. During this day, they would actually pay people to come in and cry. And so it would be an event to behold. And they would come out and they would just wail and they would cry and they would go on and they would go on. And so as they got closer to the home, they probably heard the screams. They heard the cries. They heard the wailing. And they come in and they get closer to the house. And Jesus says, wow, this commotion, wow, the crying, wow, the problems. This child is not dead, but she is asleep. And what did the people do? They laughed. Lord, you ain't been here. We've already seen this little girl. She's not asleep. And so they laugh and they laugh and they laugh. And Jesus goes, he puts them all out. We're just looking at the text. All we're doing, he put them out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And he went in and there the child was. He's got the mama, the daddy, his closest disciples, Jesus. They walk in, they walk to the bed of the child. Verse 41, he took her by the hand and he said to her, you can say that, I'm not going to. Which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And again, we see the word immediately. When Jesus speaks, things happen. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. I don't really know what else there is to say about it. There's a lot of times the, the text speaks for itself, and uh, maybe preachers, we get in the way of it. I, I just love the faith of both these two individuals. They had a problem. We've all got problems. But they took it to the one who could fix the problems. Quit going places that you can't find answers. Don't find your problems and go look for places that they can't even offer you any help. You've got a problem, go to the Lord with it. Pray about it. The Lord says don't be anxious about anything, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, make your requests known before God. The Bible says cast your anxieties upon him. Because why? Because he cares for us. And so as we go through life and we face difficulties and we face problems, I just want to remind you tonight that God's still in control. God loves us. He loves me. He loves you. He's not taken aback by the things that we see around us. He's got a plan and he is working. And so wherever you find yourself this evening, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Have faith and trust him.
Don't give up. It's been a long time. Okay. It's been a few years. It's been 10 years. It's been 12 years. It's been 20 years. God, God's still at work. Don't be afraid. Just believe. God, thank you for this, this time. Lord, thank you for uh, all these men and women who have come tonight on a Sunday evening, God. And I thank you for their dedication and their commitment. And Lord, I pray that we've been encouraged tonight. God, just to see that you love us and that you care for us. Lord, I pray that we'll walk away from this and we will just remember, don't be afraid, but believe. Our faith will be strong and we will rely totally upon you. Lord, thank you for your love, the way that you care for us. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen.